Another installment of the Nittany Nation podcast. Today we were talking a little college basketball, a little Penn State basketball. It's Daniel Gallen from 247 Sports joining us. Daniel, thanks for coming in. I'm going to be honest. I wish this was on our better terms because if you're a Penn State basketball fan, Micah Shrewsbury leaving for Notre Dame is not great terms. And it's really bad timing for a club. It's going to be without most of its team next year. Definitely. I mean, I think that there's no good time when you're losing a coach, uh, especially one uh, of Micah Shrewsbury's stature. But I think even when he was hired two years ago, you knew that this day was going to come, that you knew you would get to this point, uh, given his track record working for Matt Painter at Purdue, Brad Stevens at Butler and with the Celtics uh, and his reputation, he was going to be someone who was in demand. I don't think a lot of us thought it would be after an NCAA tournament appearance in just his second year. Um, but here we are and, you know, Penn state is, you know, we'll see if they have to go all the way back to square one or if they can try to build on anything that Shrewsbury did, uh, during his time here. I don't think a lot of people saw Shrewsbury taking what's seen as a minor step forward at Notre Dame. This is not the Notre Dame of 20, 30 years ago as a stature, just as a school, um, players, recruits aren't as, uh, excited to go to Notre Dame and, and it's a basketball program that doesn't have the most success over the last five or six years. Uh, do you blame, though, Coach Shrewsbury for leaving and going home? Because some people are quick to point out that he talked about commitment to a program. He talked about commitment to Penn State, and yet he gets a payday and leaves. Do you do you think that criticism is fair? Um, I mean, not really. I, I think that you look at, at what we've heard, um, that the, the financial commitments that Penn State was – prepared to make was about the same uh, as what Notre Dame was offering. And it just went into the the infrastructure surrounding the program. So you're talking about NIL facilities, um, you know, maybe even assistant coaching pool. I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes uh, into these decisions. I think that it's, it's more than just the, the base salary. Um, even though at this point, if you have the opportunity to give your family generational wealth um, and, you know, future financial security, uh, I don't really know anyone who would pass that up uh, if, if they have that opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there was the pull to go back to Indiana uh, in Shrewsbury's first public comments. Um, he has talked about, you know, wanting to go home, wanting to be back in Indiana, uh, even though South Bend, I think, isn't quite Indianapolis, isn't quite where Shrewsbury grew up. Um, but yeah, I'm not overall surprised that he left, especially for a job. Um, in the Midwest. Uh, I think that you look at Notre Dame uh, in the landscape of the ACC. Uh, the ACC is entering a little bit of uncertainty right now. Uh, you know, It's definitely poised to potentially get left behind by the Big Ten and the SEC. But I think from a pure basketball standpoint, you're playing against the sports blue bloods uh, and Duke uh, and Carolina. Um, I do think that there is a path to success. I mean, we've seen Georgia Tech uh, have a run in the conference tournament. Virginia Tech has been a program that's been successful. You know, Miami uh, is having a really good season. You know, there will be stiff competition, but you look at what the Big Ten has been just kind of these past couple of years. It's just a knockdown, drag out fight every single week. Uh, and I think that that was really, really clear this season with how bunched up the middle of the standings were. So uh, I think that from you know a basketball perspective, yeah, I think going back to Indiana and being in a place with a pretty strong basketball culture had an appeal for Micah Shrewsbury. Um, but I don't necessarily view the job as a significant step back, significant step up. 
Um, it's not quite a lateral move, I don't think, but I think these two jobs are a little bit more similar uh, than different, which when you get to that point, the opportunity to go home, the infrastructure, that's kind of what uh, you know can break the tie. Home is certainly such a draw in this conversation and, and anywhere in Indiana, whether it's South Bend or not, is closer to home for Micah Shrewsbury than Pennsylvania. Now, I really wanted to talk about what's next for Penn State. That's really what I want to talk about is Adam Fisher, a guy I was very quick to on Twitter to say should be the next head coach, a guy the Penn State players have been very quick to say should be the next head coach. Is Adam Fisher the leading candidate as you see it today? Um, I wouldn't go as far to say that there's a leader right now. I think that we're really early in the process. Um, but I think that when you look at names, I think Adam Fisher is one of the first names that you're drawn to um, as you're looking around for myriad reasons. Um, you know, it's nice that he did get the all the shout outs from the, the players who are leaving, but those guys won't be on the team next year. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a similar situation. You see this happen with interim coaches. I know there was a lot of uh, vocal support for Jim Ferry to get the full-time job at the end of the 2020-2021 season. Um, so, you know, you don't want to put too much stock into that, but you don't discount it. Um, I think that Fisher would be a good hire from the perspective of attempting to keep some continuity um, within the staff. You know, he can build on what Shrewsbury has done. You know, he's been there. He's been the associate head coach, um, you know, kind of a right-hand man through this process. He has the recruiting chops. He is a Penn Stater. Uh, I talked to him in Des Moines last week about how much that, that run meant to him and how much it meant to him to be at that stage. So yeah, I think that when you're looking at a list of candidates, you know, I would put him at the top, not necessarily because he's a leader, but I think that that's where you start. You look at the internal candidate, you look at what he can do, um, you know, what he can add to the program, what his plan might be. Uh, and then you go from there. You know, he's learned from, you know, he worked for a season or two under Jay Wright as a graduate manager, spent a lot of time in Miami with Jen Laranega, um, who, you know, is one of the, the better coaches in college basketball right now. So, you know, I think he's prepared. There's the risk with going with a first-time head coach at this level. At the same time, Mike Shrewsbury was a first-time head coach at this level. Yeah, and I actually, I wanted to talk about that. One of the biggest concerns I've heard people say about going with Fisher is, well, Penn State struck goal with Micah Shrewsbury as a first-time head coach. It's unlikely they would do that again twice. I think that's the dumbest excuse I have literally ever heard, but it is something being used against Adam Fisher right now. Do you think this, this whole concept of, oh, you can't strike gold twice is even worth considering? No, I mean, I, I think that you have a possibility of being able to find, you know, it's like you have to get experience somewhere. You have to become a head coach exactly. at some point. Um, I think that for a lot of people, you would kind of prefer them to move slowly up the ladder. And, you know, people on our message boards were trying to compare this to, to Dion Barnes getting promoted from, you know, GA and analyst to defensive line coach. I mean, this I is a, a much, much more significant jump uh, than this. So, you have to know, you know, you have to have that faith, have that trust. Um, but, you know, I think that in this case, I mean, I think that it can work out, um, you know, and especially looking around right now at the mid-major coaches who are available or who could be available, some of the top assistants, um, it's not, it doesn't necessarily feel like the deepest pool right now. So, you know, I'd, like I said, I'd start with Adam Fisher and then go from there. Well, and the continuity of Fisher too, as you as you mentioned, his his chops recruiting are so important. I mean, you you're likely losing Braden Shrewsbury, um, kid from Indiana. His name escapes my mind, but you're probably losing him as well. 
you got to try to keep Kerry Booth around and you have to also recruit your own team. We hear coaches talk about this all the time. You've got to recruit your own players to come back next season. Is Evan Mahaffey? Is Kanye Clary? Is Kevin Jai? Kevin Jai is from Indiana. What if Shrewsbury says, hey, come join the Irish? Because Notre Dame has a lot of roster holes going into the new season. They've got a very much turned over roster as well. So you're going to have to come up with some reason to, to keep your kids because if Penn state loses three or four more in the portal, I don't know who's going to be around next year. It's going to look like this 2022 roster did with a completely rebuilt team. I I, I don't know what that looks like. Yeah, definitely. You know, at the same time though, I think that you can't necessarily make the decision by, you know, with next year in mind, you have to be thinking a couple years down the road. You have to have the, a longer view um, because while the portal does allow you to make some short-term decisions, I mean, when Micah Shrewsbury took over this, this team two years ago, I think seven guys went into the transfer portal right away. Um, a couple of them came back, most of them left. Um, so it's not necessarily unprecedented that in two years, Penn State, you know, could be back in the NCAA tournament, could be back, you know, uh, in a, in a contending role. Um, but I just think that when you, you look at the roster situation, um, you know, they were going to have to do a lot of work in the transfer portal this offseason, no matter what. They knew it. We all knew it from when they signed three guys in November, uh, and you kind of gain things out from there. Um, but, you know, I do think that you want to bring someone in that these guys will want to play for, that, you know, that they might want to stick around for. You know, that might be Fisher. Um, you know, I agree with you. Braden Shrewsbury and Logan Imes, uh, the, the guard from Indiana, Probably gone. Uh, I know Adam Fisher was pretty instrumental in Kerry Booth's recruitment. Uh, and on top of that, Booth is a Penn State legacy. Um, so who knows exactly how that will factor into that. And then you look at the staff that or the players that you have, these five freshmen, uh, it wouldn't be a surprise to see them scatter in some way um, with, you know, maybe a couple of them, you know, one or two or who knows how many ending up in South Bend with Micah Shrewsbury. So I think that it's a really interesting kind of landscape right now. I think the potential is there for a quick turnaround. Uh, At the same time, I don't, I think you have to be careful to not make a decision uh, for the 2023, 2024 Penn state team. I think you need to be thinking out, you know, a couple of years down the road and any coach worth a salt with a good plan to pitch uh, in an interview. will have that in mind. I just think, if you go into this off season and you have to replace 10 or 11 guys, I, it just looks like such a, a difficult uphill climate. And it's, again, it's one reason why my, my, my hand is fully in a, I think that Adam Fisher is the best man for the job. Now, one of the names as crazy as it is that keeps being thrown out there by the fans is none other than Jay Wright. I, I said on Twitter last night, I understand why the fans want him. I understand why he would be the right person for the job. But I also think there's almost a 0% chance Jay Wright would take the job. Do you even think it's worth Pat Kraft kicking the tires on Jay Wright's agent to see if he would come out of retirement to coach Penn State? It just seems so unlikely, but you know exactly why the fans want it. He's a proven winner. He's been successful in this state, and it would immediately make this team uh, a winning program overnight almost. Yeah, I mean, I think you make the phone call. Um, you know, you have to do due diligence and, you know, you never know, um, you know, that's, and that's part of the job as being, of being the athletic director is that, you know, knowing, uh, you know, who's available, who's interested, who could be available, who you didn't think was available, but might be. Um, but I, you know, I think the Jay Wright thing is just a, a pretty big pipe dream. Uh, I think that if he wanted to coach, he would still be coaching at Villanova. 
Um, and I think that given how the the game has changed, I mean, I, I don't think you can, you know, bring him in to take over a team that right now has, you know, eight guys on the roster for next year. And you knock that down to six pretty quickly uh, with, with two of the freshmen potentially not coming. And then you go down from there uh, with, with a lot of the, with guys potentially transferring. So I mean, it, it's a fun, you know, bar conversation. It's fun to do the back of the napkin math on bringing uh, Jay Wright in. But when I was going through my list of candidates, I, I even made like a little miscellaneous section at the bottom for guys that didn't really fit any of the categories I had. And, you know, it didn't even cross my mind to put Jay Wright in there. It just seems so unlikely. And for people who don't know the story, I mean, Jay Wright got out of basketball because he didn't like the way we were doing it anymore in college athletics. He didn't like the way the NIL, the recruiting, the transferring had all changed so much. None of that has changed in the last year. None of that. It's all still the exact same thing. So it's not even like there's a reason why he would want to get back in other than he just misses basketball. Unless he just truly misses basketball and truly misses the grind. I don't know if he does. I don't see why he would come back, but he would be an upgrade from Iker Shrewsbury quite instantly. It would certainly have the fans excited. Uh, we all know Jay Wright is a certain uh, proven uh, proven winner. Some of the other names that have been thrown around: Dusty May, excuse me, Dusty May out of FIU, FAU, Matt Langle out of Colgate. Uh, we've seen the Delaware coach, uh, Creighton's coach, uh, Sam Cassell, the Sixers assistant, which I think would be really interesting. One of the the names I find most interesting that was popped up today was it Jay Billis? Someone recommended Don Staley at Temple to go back to Temple as the men's coach. And it made me think would Penn State consider Don Staley at Penn State? Because, yeah, Don Staley has ties to Temple as, as Temple's women's coach for a long time. But if she wanted to get into the men's game, she could do better than Temple, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I think that falls into the same category as Jay Wright, where you make the phone call and, and you see what would happen. Um, you know, I think that Don Staley is someone at this point, you know, who holds a lot of clout when it comes to basketball, whether it's it's men's or women's. You know, the job that she has done at South Carolina uh, is pretty impressive. Um, you know, it's it, it was always UConn. It was Baylor for a little bit, too, but now... South Carolina is is firmly in that mix. Um, you know, I, I was talking to another writer about this last night and, you know, we were kind of, you know, joking about it, but also like, but what if, um, you know, I think that it, it's worth making the phone call. Um, I think that if Don Staley were to come to the men's game, I could see somewhere like Temple, you know, because that is home, that is Philadelphia. Um, I, that's a place where she's already had success. Uh, and she can she can really draw on that. Um, I don't necessarily know what that would look like uh, at Penn State. Um, but, you know, when you when you are hiring for Penn State basketball, though, you need to think outside the box a little bit. I think Sandy Barber did a great job with Micah Shrewsbury in identifying a coach uh, who had worked for guys like Matt Painter, like Brad Stevens, and also had a very extensive NBA background, which was able to work on the recruiting trail because then you can sell development come here i worked with jalen brown and jason tatum if you come here i can do the things i did with you that i did with them and that can help you get to the league um so i think that in terms of thinking outside the box i mean i think you need to do that don staley fits that i mean when or if she makes the jump over to the men's game i think she's going to be successful 
I think that she's a competitor and she really knows what she's doing. So, um, you know, that's something that, I mean, honestly, that crossed my mind a little bit more than Jay Wright did uh, when, you know, when thinking about the the scenarios last night and through today. It's funny you mentioned about the Jalen Brown, um, Jason Tatum stuff for Coach Shrewsbury. I was talking to John Hara last week or two weeks ago during the tournament. And I kind of laughed and I asked him, did Coach ever just kind of like flex that muscle that he was on the coaching staff that drafted those two guys? Khan jokingly said he's like well he didn't really intentionally flex his muscle but every now and then he would just be like you know you gotta do it like this like Jalen does it like this and he's like we just knew what he was talking about we knew who he was talking about it was like mm-hmm. unintentional muscle flexing but we all knew he was dropping his Celtics credentials <laughs> yeah I think I think Micah did that a couple times with us too uh in, in the press and it was yeah that's something unique to add to your background and you know, at this point, you got to look for an edge. You got to look for something to differentiate yourself. And I think that that's a really, really big part of Micah Shrewsbury's resume and why he was able to have success at Penn State. We are talking to Daniel Gallen. He's with Lions 247. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel JT Gallen on Twitter. And before we let Daniel go, if you'd like to read his piece, you can head over to lions247.com. I think it's the official. We could go to lions247.com. We have to go 247 sports. It'll get you there. <laughs> It'll, It'll I thought so. There. I thought so. You can go ahead and read his articles on who he thinks Penn State could be hiring and targeting. Uh, we're not going to talk about a lot of the mid-man. I don't want to talk about a lot of the mid-guys because that's what everyone's talking about. So before I let you go, Daniel, I want to ask, do you think if you were a betting man, is it more or less likely Penn State makes a splash or goes with one of these middle guys that we all see? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to pin down right now, because the one the one variable that comes into play is that, you know, we kind of know the uh, financial figure that they were willing to give Micah Shrewsbury, that they were uh, you know, the neighborhood that they were in. And if they decide to stay in that neighborhood, there is the chance that that could be something that could maybe you know sway someone who is a sitting high major head coach to consider it. Um, I think that that would sort of be the the splashiest hire that they could make. Um, at the same time, it's hard to predict splashes. That's the whole point. <laughs> kind of surprise you, kind of take you by surprise a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there is the chance that they could go for a high major coach. I, I don't necessarily know, you know who that looks like right now. Yeah, I was kind of I was looking through some of the guys that are still in the tournament, some guys that just had exits, and a lot of these people have pretty good situations. Um, you know, I would target someone who is on the younger side. And I also go back and forth on how important the regional ties are. But I think that if you know, you're know you on the younger side and you have some connection where you can reach into Philadelphia uh, or even down into the DMV uh, around Washington, D.C. to bring talent up to State College, um, I think that that's something that that you'll really look forward to. Um, you know, I think someone like Matt Langle would be a solid but unspectacular hire. I don't think that would really classify as the splash um, you know, similar with like Dusty May uh, or Pat Kelsey at College of Charleston. Um, Mike Rhodes is kind of in the in-between area at v- at VCU where he's not, not technically in a power conference, but, you know, the success that VCU has had is, is on par with some power conference teams. You know, he's a guy from who went to Lebanon Valley College and has his number retired there. So he's got ties to the area. He was a Shaka Smart assistant for a long time. Uh, he was a D3 head coach at Randolph-Macon for a long time, head coach at Rice, head coach at VCU. Um, I think that there are some traits there um, that that could make him appealing. And I think he he kind of fits into that, like poaching a high major guy away 
Um, so we'll see, but yeah, I do think that Penn State needs to find a way to either to make a splash, but also have it be a sustainable thing. You know, not just someone who is going to win the press conference, but someone who two years from now we can you know see something tangible that they built. You know, that there is proof of concept. It's showing on the recruiting trail. It's showing on the court. Um, and I think that you know that might not be the biggest name. Micah Shrewsbury wasn't the biggest name in the cycle. But also Shrewsbury has put Penn State in a position where they can go for some of these bigger names right now. What's important to note is that when we see these weird splashes in these coaching hires, sometimes these coaches have natural connections to the school, whether it be the administration or the program, and, and there aren't those guys out there. There aren't guys out there with these grand ties to Pat Kraft in the basketball world. They're not grand ties to Penn State basketball out there. It, it's not like there's this natural guy that just pops up to mind. It, it will take some serious recruitment, probably on the university side, to bring someone in. He's Daniel Gallon from 247 Sports, Lions 247. Daniel, I really appreciate you coming on with us, man. Thanks for having me, Andrew.